Hoopscast episode 16 back up in your notification box. Yo, what's really good? It's me, A1 Hoops, aka Edwin, whatever you want to call me. Uh, no guest today, but doesn't really matter. It's still going to be a vibe because, as y'all know, I am a vibe. So, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump right into it. First up, I'm going to be talking about Bill Russell. Now, if you're on NBA Twitter, if you're a fan of basketball, if you follow the game, if you know the game of basketball, you know that Bill Russell was highly disrespected and is highly disrespected even today. I mean, the stuff casuals be saying about him, oh, he's a plumber this, plumber that. Oh, he wouldn't even make it in today's league. He was playing against five foot five, you know, milkman. Whatever you want to call it, the disrespect for Bill Russell is honestly out of pocket. It's getting out of control. It's out of hand, to say the least. Bill Russell was an eleven time champion. He made the finals twelve times. And I know you guys have seen that post. I believe it was Bleacher Report, something like that, where they say, "Oh, you know, LeBron made ten finals. You know, Tom Brady made ten Super Bowls. You know, that's great. That's cool and all." LeBron made the finals 10 times. He switched teams four times to do that. And Tom Brady is on a second team in his career. Do you know what Bill Russell did, though? Like, you know, just for those of y'all who might be new to this, maybe you never really, you know, did your homework at all. Maybe you don't know this basic fact. But uh, Bill Russell went to 12 finals on one team, the Boston Celtics, every single time. He made eight finals in a row on one team. LeBron, the most he's ever done was... Four or five finals on one team? It was four. 2014, 2015, 2016, 20, no, it was five. Five finals. So, Bill Russell was able to do that 12 times, and it was eight times in a row. Now, people like to discredit that and say, oh, but he has so many Hall of Famers on his team. Do y'all really believe most of those players on Bill Russell's team would have been Hall of Famers without him? Okay, maybe Sam Jones, you know, Bob Cousy, perhaps. But what about the rest of those guys? Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure you as a listener, no disrespect, but can you even really name some of the other teammates he had? I'll give you a five-second pause. Think about it. Guess not. So, another thing about Bill Russell. He's easily the greatest defender in the history of basketball. Nobody was a better defender than Bill Russell. He was versatile. He could switch. He was quick on his feet. And he used to block shots and keep them in bounds. That way his team can go ahead and get the offense started. See, nowadays nobody does that. Nowadays everybody's going for the highlight. Yo, let me, when I go out to block your shot, I'm sending it into the crowd. Which, I mean, obviously as a fan, that looks dope. But, I mean, <laughs> you're giving the team the ball back. So, how cool is that really? Ain't that cool. Bill Russell would block shots and then block it in a direction towards a teammate. Or he'll block it up so that way he can get the ball back. And boom, fast break offense, easy points. That's smart basketball. Nobody does that anymore. He was easily the greatest leader in NBA history. He didn't care about stats. That was not his thing. His famous quote is, the only statistic I care about is the final score. He cared about wins and losses. Now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to have good stats. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have great individual performances. But at the expense of your team winning, that's an L. That's where I can't respect it. Bill Russell had the exact opposite problem. He was willing to sacrifice scoring. He said it himself in his peak that he used to take maybe eight, nine, sometimes even ten shots in his prime. 
because that's not what his that's not what the team needed in order for him to win. He he literally said that verbatim. I had games at my peak where I would take nine, ten shots. The way that he plays the game of basketball, his team wins. He said that verbatim to Chris Weber in an interview. Whenever new teammates came to the Celtics, he used to say to himself, you know what, how can I make my teammate better? How can I make his job easier so that way I can incorporate him into the team's offense and so we can win? That's what he thought about. So for me personally, I will never disrespect Bill Russell. I will never say ignorant blanket statements or just nonsense things like, oh, he played against five foot five Milkman, which really isn't true. And actually, if you go to basketballreference.com, <laughs> go there yourself. If you think I'm cap, I mean, this is a podcast. You can go there right now. The average height of NBA players back when Bill Russell played was about 6'5", 6'4". Today, it's about the same. I think it's like 6'5 and a half, something like that. So players on average are about the same height. People say, oh, yeah, well, he played in a team. He played in a league with eight teams. That's another great one. They like to say, they like to throw that out there in order to discredit Bill Russell. But if there was only eight teams, that means there's a lot less jobs to go around. And if there's a lot less jobs to go around, that means there's a lot less room for scrubs. That means teams are a lot more selective with who they take instead of just taking anybody. I mean, we have players in today's game that literally are just straight trash. But because there's just so many roster spots, there's like, what, 15, 16, 17? Some players getting paid don't even get to touch the court. Like, <laughs> like barely play any games, and they're getting paid like half a million dollars a year or a million, whatever the league minimum is at this point. So back when Bill Russell played, it was eight teams, and if you made the roster spot, you were deserving of it. There was no, oh yeah, let's just sign this guy, you know, you know for you know contract reasons stuff like that. Nah, you got signed, you was getting minutes for the most part. So yeah, I get it. There was only eight teams, but. Give the man some credit. Cut him some slack. Like, I'm not saying he would play great today. I'm not saying that his game would directly translate today. But to say he couldn't play today, I think that's a little overboard. I think if you dropped Bill Russell in today's game, I think he would still be a great defender. I think he would be a great locker room presence. I think he would be a great, you know, lead by example kind of guy. He would spill the right mentality, the right intangibles into players today if he did play today. Blocks weren't even recorded back then, but I can imagine he probably averaged like six, seven blocks a game minimum. And and yeah, okay, you know, the pace was faster, but still, he would definitely be able to block shots today too. So, long story short, cut the Bill Russell disrespect out. I see it all the time. I am going to be working on a video soon about Bill Russell, you know, where I'll give him some love, I'll give him some respect. So make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't, at A1Hoops. And... That's pretty much what I have for the whole Bill Russell thing. Just stop the Bill Russell hate. Now, next up, and this might be a slightly controversial topic, you know, because this is something that's spoken about all over the Internet. And it's a very black and white sort of debate. And that is Larry Bird or Kevin Durant. People go back and forth about this all the time. And you have people on both sides of the fence. They have people that say, you know what? Larry Bird was trash. Like, he was trash. He was garbage. He'd be Joe Ingles today. That's one side of the fence. So you have people on that side. And then you have people on the other side of the fence who say, you know what? KD's soft. Larry Bird would dominate today. And KD's just a cupcake. Whenever He can't even hold Larry Bird's jock strap. That's what they say. Very, very extreme on either side. So how about me? Where am I at on that debate? Larry Bird, like, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and Put it out there. Larry Bird was a better basketball player than Kevin Durant. He was. He was just better. I'm not talking about accomplishments. I'm not talking about resume. 
I'm talking about if you break down every facet of the game, Larry Bird was better in almost every way. Okay, scoring, Kevin Durant was a better scorer. Nobody would debate that. He's one of the greatest scorers ever. Probably third all time if you don't include centers. But every other like possible category that you could list, Larry Bird was better at. Passing, Larry Bird by like a mile. Rebounding, Larry Bird by like a pretty significant margin. Defense, KD was a better shot blocker, but all around, you know, defensive IQ, knowing where to be at the right time, playing the passing lanes. Larry Bird was a better defender. He made the all defensive team three times. KD's never made any. Larry Bird was just the more versatile player. He was the smarter player. He could do more things on the court at an elite level than KD could. He was a better passer by far, the better floor general. He was the better leader. The Celtics were a 29-win team in the year 1979. They were a 61-win team his rookie season. And people like to discredit Larry Bird for his first championship. They say things like, you know what? He had eight points in a finals game. He averaged 15 points per game in the 1981 finals. And Cedric Cornbread Maxwell won finals MVP. So you know what? Larry Bird is trash. That's what they say. That's the conclusion they jump to. They don't bring up no context, though. They don't talk about nothing else but his final statistics and the fact that Maxwell won finals MVP. That game was a six-game series. Larry Bird led the Celtics in scoring in six games. He had two bad games, which are the eight-point games. So that brought his averages down. They don't talk about the fact that he averaged 15 rebounds in that series, 15.7 to be exact. And to even get to the finals, no one ever talks about how Larry Bird literally led the Boston Celtics down 3-1. So they were down one game to three games against the Dr. J-led Philadelphia 76ers. And my man's Larry Bird in that series averaged 27 points per game, 13.6 boards. He shot about 50% from the field. He led his team back down 3-1. You know what KD did in the Western Conference Finals? He blew a 3-1 lead to the Golden State Warriors. So clearly they're not the same. Larry Bird won three back-to-back MVPs. KD has won. No one else won three back-to-back MVPs except Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain. So basically, Larry Bird, the only white guy that I've ever done it. <laughs> uh, when you talk about things like IQ, people say, you know, oh, you know, IQ. That matters a lot. Larry Bird won Coach of the Year when he was in Indiana, which shows that he knows the game. He knows how schemes work. He knows how defenses work. He knows how to game plan. He knows how to strategize. Larry Bird also won Executive of the Year in Indiana. That shows you that he knows how to put a roster together. That shows you that he knows how to make good basketball decisions. He dominated players that were more athletic than him. People like Dominique Wilkins, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen. They could not check that man because he was just so skilled, so gifted. His shot-making ability is up there with some of the all-time greatest, like KD himself. So if you need somebody to get you buckets, yeah, KD was better in that aspect. KD has... More versatility, more arsenal in this game when it comes to putting the ball into the basket. Nobody can really check KD one-on-one. But if I need somebody that's going to win me basketball games, and this is the difference, and this is what, get lo- this, this is what gets lost in the, all these debates. People, when people talk about who's better, there is a such thing as one player just knowing how to win basketball games. There's a such thing as one player who just has higher impact, has the ability to just win games for you, and that is Larry Bird. Larry Bird could legitimately win games for you. And that's something that never, ever gets, like, it never gets spoken about. 
Listen to the things that Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, or just the things that his teammates say about him. Larry Bird was a true leader. He led by example. And these are things that we still question about Kevin Durant today. So, yeah, like I said, once again, KD is amazing. He's spectacular. His passing is good. I mean, it's not elite or above average. Well, it's slightly above average. His on-ball defense is okay. His rim protection is where he really shines. But his rebounding is, I mean, what, seven, eight rebounds per game? As somebody who's almost seven feet tall, that's kind of underwhelming. Larry Bird was 6'10". He was averaging 10 boards a game. See what I'm saying? So, like, and then Larry Bird's passing ability. Like, you can just literally go on YouTube and type up Larry Bird passing highlights, and the stuff you see is, like, literally Magic Johnson type. Magic Johnson-esque. Like, it's, 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 it's insane. Come on. So, in conclusion, the whole Larry Bird versus KD thing. People need to stop being so extreme. To say that Larry Bird would be Joe Ingles today is just complete nonsense. To say he's not a top 10 player is just complete nonsense. But also on the other side, people who think Larry Bird is like a top 4, top 3 player ever. Like, nah, he wasn't that great. People say it's not even close between the two. Larry Bird for me is the second best small forward ever behind only LeBron. KD is third. And it's not like there's a huge gap between him and Larry Bird. There is a somewhat of a gap, but I wouldn't say it's huge. Like, KD can definitely pass him before his career is over. But if you're asking me right now, who's the better basketball player? Who would I take on my team? I'm going to take Larry Bird for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. He was just simply better at multiple things. He was more valuable to his team. And that's pretty much what I have for that whole debate. Now, next up, I'm going to be talking about Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. If, if you've been keeping up with basketball lately, you can just tell my man... My man wants to get up out of there. He's tired of being in Washington. This isn't what he signed up for. Yes, I know he signed a contract extension, so people are going to say on Twitter, you know what, he wanted to be there. He wants to be there. But he's not happy with the situation going on. Russ has been in and out of the lineup, battling injuries, you know, the virus, the coronavirus protocols that the NBA has intact. And Bradley Beal's been dealing with all this for the last few years. Not the coronavirus stuff, but just a franchise that's incompetent. A franchise that's been dealing with injuries such as John Wall. He's been dealing with a sorry franchise and he's fed up with it. He Right now, he's currently leading the NBA in scoring at 34.7 points per game. He's one of the best players we have in the league. Easily top 20, maybe even top 15. That's a different debate for another day. But the Wizards are 3-12. And, and, and not John. Bradley Beal has played 14 games. So he's missed only one of these games. And he's tired of it. He needs to go somewhere. He doesn't want to end his career as some guy who played really well, scored a lot of points, but never really had any type of success. Everybody wants a championship. You want to know why championships are so important? Because you get remembered when you win. When you don't win, it's very hard to be remembered. The only players in NBA history that are truly going to be remembered off the top of my head, even though they didn't win a championship, are going to be players like Karl Malone, Allen Iverson. Karl Malone might be remembered for a little bit of a different reason. And, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. But Allen Iverson, Steve Nash, Chris Paul, like these are the players that are going to be remembered even though they didn't win a championship. But let's say Bradley Beal never wins a championship or never even at least makes the finals. And 40, 50 years from now, who's really going to remember Bradley Beal? Last year, he was averaging 30, didn't even make the all-star team. Like, are you serious? This man is insane. He's very, very talented, a great shooter. He's improving on defense. Like, every single year of his career, he's gotten better and better and better on the defensive end of the basketball. He's playing with Russell Westbrook right now. 
we don't really know what's going on with Russ. People say it's the injuries. People say he's declining. But regardless of the reason, Russ has been hot trash, hot garbage. The Wizards are straight up tartar sauce. They're pathetic. And Bradley Beal is trying to get up out of there. So for me, what would I like to see Bradley Beal? Now, if I'm talking about my bias, if I'm putting my bias into it, I want to see him on the Miami Heat. Him and Jimmy Butler, my guy JB, and my guy Double B together in, <laughs> in South Beach. Woo! Now that's a good team. <laughs> we'll definitely get some people a run for their money. Come down to Miami. But if I'm being a little bit more objective, a great team for him to go to would honestly be like the Clippers or maybe even, you know, the, not the Lakers, but I would say the Clippers might be the best team for him to go to. You can move Paul George to his true position. That's small forward. I don't know what you do with Kawhi. But long story short, Bradley Beal needs to get up out of there. He's depressed. I'm sure you guys saw the highlight from a game not too long ago where he's literally sitting on the bench, like literally looking like he's praying. Like he's literally talking to the Lord to get up out of Washington. So free my guy Bradley Beal. Leading the league in scoring at 34.7. Are you serious? And his team is just so pathetic. And it sucks because, you know, Scott Brooks is a solid coach. Like, he's not even a bad coach. But they're just a horrible franchise. It just, it's it's not looking good. My man Bradley Beal's down bad. And we need to go ahead and just get him up out of there. Now, next up, I want to talk about Allen Iverson. This is somebody I just literally mentioned in the previous segment about Bradley Beal. And being remembered. The thing about AI at this point is that he's very... What's the word I want to use here? Uh, polarizing, to say the least. If you go on NBA Twitter, if you watch sports media shows like you know Undisputed, FS1, uh, Nick Wright Show, Colin, whatever you want to call it, if you follow the NBA outside of just watching the games, you will see that Iverson is such a black and white, black and white type of person and as far as his legacy as far as his NBA career you have people on one side of the fence who criticize Allen Iverson for the way he played they criticize you know him supposedly going to jail well he did go to jail but you know they say things like you know what he was deserving even though he literally got pardoned because he actually was innocent but besides the point you have people who really just hate Allen Iverson people who say things like you know what Allen Iverson is not even a top 10 shooting guard of all time. And then they bring up things like, you know what? He was super inefficient. And it's like, when you're six foot tall, not even, like 5'11", more realistically, and you played in the most physical league the NBA has ever seen, where there was zone defense, but there was also hand checking. There was such physicality every time you drove to the basket. And you're expecting a guy who was 5'11", 165 pounds to be efficient. Are you serious? And then people say, oh, look at Chris Paul. He's efficient. Well, Chris Paul doesn't play in the same league that Allen Iverson had to play in. He didn't have the same type of play style. When AI was, when AI was driving to the basket, people were dead tackling him. Like, Shaq put him on the floor multiple times. And you're, just, you're asking this man to be efficient. Allen Iverson is literally a cultural icon. He is a literal legend in the history of basketball and, and just worldwide in general. Everybody who played against Allen Iverson respects him so much for the way that he played. He was a leader on the court. And yes, when he first got into the league, his first few seasons, he was pretty selfish. I'm not going to lie to you. But then he got with Larry Brown, one of the best coaches ever. And he learned how to become a leader. He willed his team to the NBA Finals. And some people say that run was overrated. 
But that team had no business being there regardless. That team had no business taking one game from the Kobe Shaq Lakers. And Allen Iverson certainly had no business outscoring Shaq and Kobe by himself. Shaq for that series averaged like 34 or something like that, 33. Kobe averaged like 27. Allen Iverson averaged like literally 35 points per game in that series. And somebody who was only six feet tall. The defense was mostly focused on him. He had players like Eric Snow, Dikembe Mutombo out there on the court with him. Like, that was his team. Dikembe was not an offensive threat. What the hell did did Eric Snow even really do? See what I'm saying? Now, yeah, you had a great coach, and the team was very, very good defensively. But what did you expect from Allen Iverson? He was the offense. When he was driving to the basket, everybody was worried about him. They were trapping him, trying to get the ball out of his hands. So people say things like, oh, he was inefficient. How was he supposed to be efficient? How? People compare his run, his run to, like, you know, 2018 LeBron, and it's like, I don't think you understand. LeBron is 6'9", 270 pounds. So, like, holding Allen Iverson to the standard of LeBron and saying, why couldn't he be that efficient is literally retarded. Like, I don't know if I can say that word, so I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> but that's literally, like, ludicrous. That's, that's such a dumb thing to say. It's a dumb narrative to stand by. Uh, nobody in the NBA history, nobody in the history of the game had as much heart as Allen Iverson. He did not quit on the court. He gave everything he had on the court at all times. And people say things like, you know what, he's just like Russell Westbrook. No, he's not. Russell Westbrook is not the same player that Allen Iverson is. Iverson was better than he was at literally almost everything except, what, rebounding and passing? Come on, you serious? Allen Iverson was actually a good defender. He couldn't guard you straight up, but he would definitely get steals. He could definitely rip you. He could definitely play in the passing lanes. He led the league in steals multiple times. He averaged at least two steals a game multiple times. So to compare Russell Westbrook and Albert Iverson, I think it's honestly kind of disrespectful. Iverson by himself took his team to the finals. Russell Westbrook, as a number one option, couldn't even get out the first round. And I know I might get a little heat for saying this, but I feel like if you put Russ on that Sixers team, they're not making the finals. I don't care what nobody says. It's just not happening. I don't care what Allen Iverson's effective field goal percentage was. I don't care that it was around 45. I don't care that he shot about 42% from the field. That None of that matters to me. Because there are times where efficiency is just not a thing. There are times where a player just simply can't be efficient. But what he can do is keep coming at you. What he can do is will his team. He can keep shooting and keep scoring. So it doesn't really matter. The things Allen Iverson did for the league, the, the, the empowerment he gave players, the freedom... The ability to just wear whatever you wanted to wear. Like, he literally introduced that. Players wear whatever the hell they want to wear to the games now because of the things that Allen Iverson did. So, when people get online and, you know, these Twitter virgins, that's what I like to call them, the Twitter virgins that are like 14, 15 years old <laughs> with an iPhone 12, talking about, oh, Iverson was trash. Stop it. Like, AI, for me, is a top five shooting guard of all time. The only shooting guards I think are legitimately, like, Better than he was is Jordan, Kobe, Wade, and Harden. Those are the only four shooting guards that I would just like, you know what? Definitely better than AI. But aside from that, everybody else is debatable. You could debate for T-Mac or Reggie Miller or Ray Allen or any of those guys, Clyde Drexler. But I don't I don't know. It's just the disrespect for Allen Iverson is getting out of control. AI is simply amazing. A 27-point-per-game score for his career at at 5'11". Like, what are we really talking about here? That's pretty much all I have for that subject. And lastly, and this is probably going to be the best topic 
for this episode is the whole Joel Embiid thing. The Joel Embiid MVP case or MVP season that he's having. People are trying to make the case that LeBron should be the MVP. The LeBron fanboys, the LeBron media, the Le- Bleacher Report, LaShannon Sharp, LaNick Wright, Kendrick Perkins, people like this are literally trying to make the case that LeBron should be the MVP over Joel Embiid. And they're really bugged. Like, no. <laughs> it, it's not really a debate at all. Joel Embiid, if the season were to end right now, should win MVP. And it really shouldn't be that close. I'm not I'm not going to go as far as to say it should be unanimous. Because I don't think it should be. But Joel Embiid is just a monster. 28.2 points per game. That's a career high. He's never averaged that much before. 1.2 steals per game. That's a career high. He's never done that before. 54.5 field goal percentage. That's a career high. <laughs> His highest previously was 49. 40.4% from three on only 2.9 attempts from three. So that's also a career high percentage, but that's also a career low on attempts. Well, what have we been saying about Joel Embiid? Yo, he got to stop shooting all those damn threes. Well, that's exactly what he's doing. He's shooting less, but hitting a higher percentage of them. That, you know, two, two, 2.9 threes per game. So every game he's going to shoot about two or three of them, which is, you can live with that. And he's hitting them at a high clip. 58.1 effective field goal percentage. You heard me correctly. I said effective field goal percentage. I didn't say nothing about true shooting. 58.1 is usually a pretty good true shooting percentage. Above 50% is usually a good effective field goal percentage. He's shooting 58.1% effective field goal percentage. Oh, and by the way, that's a career high. (laughs) He has a 31.4 PER, which not only leads the NBA, you know, but it's also a career high. He has a 66, let me say that one more time for the people in the back, 66.9, one more game for the people in the back, 66.9 true shooting percentage. Did you guess that was the career high? Yeah, this is not a game show though, you're not winning nothing for that. But if you guessed that was a career high, you were absolutely correct. It is a career high. Now, this isn't a, a stat that I like to use too often because obviously a lot of advanced analytics are very flawed. But I do want to mention the fact that right now Joel Embiid leads the NBA in win shares per 48. So the amount of win shares you accumulate per 48 minutes is basically an impact stat, but it's not the greatest. No advanced stats are really that great, but it's at 0.30, 0.301 that leads the NBA. And that's also a career high. His highest before that was like 0.19. Now it's at 0.30. Are you serious? Joel Embiid is easily the MVP. The Sixers have the best record in the East. They're winning basketball games. He's leading the NBA, having career highs in almost in so many in almost every category, really. And for some reason, the LeBron narrative is going on again. Oh, he's in year 18, and he's doing this and that, and he's doing this and blah, blah, blah. don't matter like I don't care like it's not LeBron is not the MVP over Joel Embiid he can finish runner-up if he wants to I'm perfectly fine with that but the idea that LeBron is supposed to be the MVP is nonsense so like people like Nick Wright Kendrick Perkins Shannon Sharp you guys are really bugging like it's just it's just false like he does not deserve the MVP of Joel Embiid I would love for somebody to tell me what 
or why LeBron deserves it more. Give me a great reason why. I just need to know. Because the Sixers are first in the East. Meanwhile, Ben Simmons is playing like hot trash. So it's not even like his co-star is helping him win games. They're winning mostly because of Embiid and then, you know, Doc Rivers. Seth Curry has been playing out of his mind. You have people like Tobias Harris really stepping up. But Ben Simmons is playing like hot trash. That's his co-star. LeBron, even though AD hasn't been playing, you know, how the way he needs to be playing. AD has been actually playing really pathetic lately. But he's still putting up 21 points per game, 22 points per game, something like that. So his co-star is giving him more help than Joel Embiid's is by far. And yet we're still talking about how LeBron is the MVP. How? He's averaging 25, 8, and 7, which is great numbers. I'm not trying to say LeBron is trash. LeBron is great. He can be as great as he wants. But he's not better than Joel Embiid this year. That's for damn sure. Joel Embiid is the MVP of the league. Stop the cap. And with that out of the way, that was it. That was Hoopscast, episode 16. Back up in your notification box. Back up in your feed. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at A1Hoops. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at A1Hoops. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel at A1Hoops. And be sure to share the podcast with your friends, family, whatever. And with that being said, I'm up out of here. Hope you have a good one.